Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we speak to Ghana defender Jonathan Mensah, who plays in the US Major League Soccer with the Columbus crew. Now, Mensah received some criticism for leaving Europe to join what some see as a less competitive league. But he says that the standard is high, with big names like Zlatan Ibrahimovic and David Beckham having played in the MLS. People keep, uh, keep saying, oh, this league is a retirement league and all that. But we've seen that that is a different case when it comes to what this league is about. Also, Stuart with the latest from the English Premier League, and he tells us about Arsene Wenger's reflections on his time at Arsenal. Well, the delayed 2020 African Nations Championship, the Chan, is just a week away now. The final's kicking off in Cameroon on the 16th, and it looks as though it's going to be an interesting competition. Uh, Zimbabwe and Namibia, both among teams that have had struggles with COVID-19 in camp, but uh, Cameroon ready to host and uh, with some great facilities as well, and they will be allowing 25% capacity uh, for the games in the group stage and 50% in the knockout stage. We'll preview the Chan on next week's show. But now we've been speaking to Ghana defender Jonathan Mensah, who has more than 60 appearances for the Black Stars and plays in the U.S. Major League Soccer with the Columbus crew. Now Mensah joined the Columbus crew in 2017, moving from Russian side Angie, with some criticism about leaving Europe. But it's gone well for Mensah, who captained Columbus crew to the Eastern Conference and 2020 MLS Cup titles last month. This came after the team had struggles over proposed relocation in 2018, but better times have now come their way. Well, Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji spoke to Mensa and first asked what winning the cup meant to the team. Oh yeah, it's it's such an incredible achievement for for the team, for all of us, you know, because we've we've been through so much, not just our team, but uh, every team and everyone. In the world, actually, because, you know, we, we're still in the middle of a global pandemic, but uh, we still go out there and, and uh, do our jobs, you know, uh, make people happy. And uh, for us to be rewarded like this, amazing, amazing feeling. So also, when you look at yourself, I remember when you went to the MLS, people just probably just, they've written you off thinking, why would Jonathan at the prime of his career go to the MLS. Do you think this kind of justify your your decision to actually switch from Europe to the MLS? Uh, yeah, actually, you know, the decision that I made didn't actually make a uh, couple of people happy. But obviously, if, if you're going to make decisions, but family wanted what we all wanted to do. So, uh, yeah, people, you know, won't be happy with some of the decisions other people make. But then you live up with, with uh, the outcome. So, and it wasn't like I was, I was in a situation or a great, um, team, uh, I would say in, uh, Europe, you know, I was in a middle class, a middle table team, you know, and, you know, doing well, but obviously the opportunity in, in the MLS and, and the, and the project kind of like, you know, caught my interest and, and I, I went for it. So, and we've seen, we've seen how this league have, uh, you know, has grown. As, as the years has gone by and we've seen how great, um, superstars has joined the league and, 
you know, have done so well. So I think uh, everyone sees it now, and I believe, you know, the league is going to continue to grow. For an African, the MLS is not regarded as one of the top leagues in the world. Um, people tend to laugh off the league sometimes, you know. They'll be like, right. oh, Jonathan Mensah, why would he go to the MLS? But you look at the, yeah. the, 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 the kind of um, players that it has attracted in the last few years. Latan has gone there. Right. He's back in Europe right. now. Do you, for as a player, see yourself before the end of your career come back and play in Europe? You, you never say never. And um, what will we'll get your name out there is to keep putting putting in uh, performances week in week out for your team and uh, those will uh, like you mentioned earlier on this league has attracted uh, big big superstars you know the likes of Beckham Lampard uh, Steven Gerrard uh, Robbie Kane you know all of them Rooney Zlatan you know he was the latest and people keep uh, keep saying oh this league is a retirement league and all that but we've seen that that is a different case when it comes to what this league is about. You know, we've seen Zlatan at his age. He came in when he was 35 or 36. He scored lots of goals, great goals, and he gave the fans great, great games. You know, he went back to Europe and he's still scoring goals like he never left. So, you know, that tells you how, how competitive this league is being and it's even getting even better and better. So... I think it, it can only get better from here. Every time you talk, you mention God and um, the influence of God in your career and all of that. Mm-hmm. People are treating you of, of going to the MLS and all that. You look at what, uh, where God has taken you now. This is God at work or it's just... Really oh, yeah, yeah with, with me, every day, everything that I do is about God. It's, it's by His grace because if God gives me um, breath for another day, Mm. I will thank him if he gives me a job. I will thank him if he gives me um, anything. I will thank him, you know. And you know, one one thing about myself, and I believe other believers also have this mentality: is uh, I fight from victory. I live from victory. I don't live for victory. I don't fight for victory, but I fight from victory. I live from victory because of the God that I have. You know, so uh, in a way, people will say, oh, why did you go to MLS? And then I will say, oh, you know, because, you know, that was what God gave me. You know, I I didn't win my first couple of years. And now that I've won it, would they say that same thing to me? I believe not. You know, so when they they say something else, I'm going to be like, I told you God brought me here for a reason. And this is one of the reasons. So, um you know, God is my everything and I'll continue to put him first in everything that I do. As a believer of Christ, as a follower of Christ, um, do you have a favorite uh, Bible verse or... Hmm. I got a couple, yeah, I got a couple that I love and I love this one in uh, Joshua, Joshua one eight. it says, This book of the law cannot depart from thy mouth, you shall meditate on it day and night. And you shall have a prosperous life. And the other one is, uh, I read this one actually before every game, Psalm uh, 35. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Uh, take up shield and buckler and stand up for my help. You know, so before, before every game, this is the verse, Psalm 35. 
Mm. And the other one is also my favorite. So that is my 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 secret weapon. <laughs> <laughs> and they they say if God is if God is with me, who can be against me? Yeah, no one, no one, no one, no one, no. One. Um, it's been a crazy year. We've lost friends, we've lost family, we've lost people close to us, and all that. If there's one lesson you've picked from 2020, apart from winning the MLS Cup, what is that big lesson and your message to African fans? It's, it's for us to be to be grateful, you know, for us to be grateful for life, uh, grateful for family, for friends, for loved ones, um, because man, during this time. You, you know, you, you see, you see the true character of some people and you see, uh, how, how people, uh, love, you know, and, mm. and how people are, are so grateful for, for life because, um, this pandemic has taught us so much. And if we come out, uh, unchanged, then I think that is our own problem. But I believe a lot of people have learned a lot and, and, you know, people are starting to even be more grateful for, uh, just having life, you know, because some people have lost their lives, love, uh, lost their, uh, jobs, you know, lost loved ones, friends, families. But if we are still alive, you know, the lessons we learn and the, uh, one thing we take away from this year is, you know, we need to be grateful and thankful for everything, everything. Well, that's Ghana and Columbus crew defender Jonathan Mensah on his football and his faith, speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji. Well, Ida, what do you think about the U.S. Major League Soccer, the MLS? There are a few Africans there, and as Mensah was saying, big names like Zlatan Ibrahimovic and David Beckham have played there over the years, but uh, still maybe that element of doubt about how good the league is there. Well, I mean, lots of people have referred to it as the retirement league, you know, because of the general sentiment behind it, Steve, you know, that players go out there to um, more or less see out the last days of their careers while still trying to make money. I mean, look at Didier Drogba, for example, had it decent couple of years in the MLS that was at the tail end of his playing career, then retired at 40. But Steve, we're also seeing the flip side, you know, where players like Zlatan Ibrahimovic have just simply lit up the American League, then gone back to Europe, which of course is deemed the most competitive. And look, they're still doing big things at their age. So I will say it is relative. But look, is there some truth behind the skepticism? Absolutely. I mean, I doubt the likes of, you know, Beckham, Jared, Lampard and Rooney would really have gone to the MLS at the height of their careers. But it's also, interestingly enough, the presence of these stars, you know, that's really gotten a lot of people to know and be interested in the MLS. I mean, there are a lot of people whose interest, I'm sure, was picked when Beckham went there in 2007. But the MLS, Steve, has also had brilliant African players for the longest time, you know, decades even, before the Mensas made their way over. And while records show that around 200 African players have featured in Major League Soccer, Steve, I mean, we're talking the likes of Sierra Leonean Kay Kamara, for example. He seemed to find his niche in America where he spent 14 seasons, although that was between different teams in the MLS. We have Mamadou Diallo from Senegal, who signed for the MLS way back in the year 2000. 
Oberfemi Martin, Steve, who had a short but sweet three-year stint there. Um, that was starting in 2013. I mean, he broke the goals record for a single club in a debut season. That was when he netted 17 times for the Seattle Sounders. And Steve, of course, can't go without mentioning South African legend Jomo Sono. I mean, he got the chance to play with Pelé, though that was at the New York Cosmos back in the 1970s. But yes, the the MLS is still a relatively young league, Steve, and especially when you compare it with other more dominant leagues in the world, you know. It came to the fore, yes, in the early 90s, though it replaced another league before that that had started in the 1960s. I mean, the Serie A, for example, is over 120 years old. The La Liga, just over 90. And even with the English Premier League, it was still operational way before, you know, this recent quote-unquote modern Premier League era. So the MLS still has time to establish itself, Steve. I think so. And I also think it's doing pretty decently, you know, and with the big stars investing there, you know, the likes of David Beckham starting their own clubs, it should definitely boost the profile of the league globally. Well, thanks, Ida. Some uh, great insights there. And the South Africa legend, Jomo Sono, who, as you say, played for the New York Cosmos. When he went back to South Africa, he named the club that he founded the Jomo Cosmos. So still a lot of question marks on the overall quality, but um, many positives in the American Major League Soccer. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart, on the amazing number of players who've scored this season for Manchester City. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA. Our website is planetsport.tv. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, now to social media. And last week we asked, uh, what are your football hopes in 2021 with this brand new year? What are you hoping for? Maybe dreaming of being allowed to go back to the stadium to watch your favourite team? That's certainly one hope that I have uh, for this new year. Also, you're hoping for your team in your country or in Europe to win trophies. So we asked, what are your football hopes for this year? With your comments, here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. Uh, Thanks, Steve. And we uh, start today on WhatsApp with uh, Sambu1 in the Gambia, who says, My hopes are to be able to start watching football again, as usual, at the stadium, uh, to see the Gambia qualify for her first ever Africa Cup of Nations tournament. And finally, for my Manchester United to regain what rightfully belongs to us, namely the Premiership title. And we've had a lot of similar comments from the Gambia this week on the subject of qualification for the Africa Cup of Nations finals, with the Scorpions currently top of a very tight Group D, ahead of Gabon on goal difference and the DR Congo by one point. The final two qualifying matches in each group are scheduled for the end of March. And uh, Ngane Demba Gasa says, I hope my country, the Gambia, will qualify for the Africa Cup of Nations finals for the first time in history. And I also hope fans will be back and support the Blues Chelsea and Lampard will win the Premier League and Champions League for the first time as Chelsea manager. James Olatuge Rob is in Sierra Leone. As for my team, Manchester United, says James, if our coach is focused, we are going to win the league. I hope to see us celebrating wins in the Europa Cup, 
the FA Cup and the English Premier League title this season. It's been a while since we've celebrated a major trophy, but we'll do it this year. SON in Nigeria is also hoping for success for his team. My football hope is for Tottenham Hotspur to win a trophy, says SON. A Gemo, a Cameroonian living in the United States, is looking at the bigger picture. I'm hoping for the right candidate to be elected for the post of CAF president, says Gemo. I'm also hoping for there to be less of the controversies that are holding back the development of the beautiful game, especially in Africa. Uh, Julius Caesar Ninibe is in Uganda and he says, I'm hoping for four things. Firstly, Manchester United to be good competitors for the Premier League title. Secondly, Manchester City not to be among the top four. Thirdly, for Liverpool to disappoint me. And finally, for Arsenal to improve, but not achieve one of the Champions League positions. Many of our correspondents this week are looking forward to having fans back at games. And Essa Jane in the Gambia says, I hope fans will be allowed to watch their teams in their respective stadiums next year. Fans give additional energy to the footballers and football without them is always boring to watch. I also hope to watch the Gambia national team's next Africa Cup of Nations qualifying game against Angola at the Independence Stadium in Banjul in March. And finally, being a fan and for one of the best teams in the world, Real Madrid, I expect them to win at least one trophy, as they have managed to do in each calendar year since 2010-2011 season, says Essa. Emma in Ghana says, I'm hoping for a continuous and COVID-free football year with fans back in the stadiums. Ebrima Tevez Jata in the Gambia agrees, I'm really dreaming of the fans being back in the stadium, says Ebrima, as football without fans is like tea without sugar, and honestly, we really miss the ambience. Personally, I am also training hard every day to fulfill my dream of one day becoming a professional footballer in 2021. Well, Abrima, keep up the good work, and on behalf of all the team here, we wish you every success. Tebi Otieno writes from Kenya, I hope the Kenyan football management will improve, says Tebi. I have seen a number of citizens blame the current KPL president, Nick Mwendwa, for failing the league, and I hope this can change in 2021. I also hope that uh, Manchester United can also maintain its top two position this year, and that the COVID-19 vaccine will work in 2021. Uh, this way, we will be able to support our teams again live in the stadiums. Abolong Baji in the Gambia says, As we enter 2021, my vision is to see success for both our junior and especially senior national teams and taste the experience of being in a major international championship. I'm also hoping for more success uh, to watch matches inside stadiums and for Liverpool to retain the English Premier League title and win the Champions League after missing out last season, says Bolong. Now, Frida Vienda Okachi in Kenya is one of many this week who share very similar thoughts. My hope for 2021 is that Manchester United will finish among the top three in the English Premier League, says Frida. I am also hoping that the storm known as coronavirus will end so that fans can get a chance to watch the games again. It's so boring for the players not having fans, as having fans will always give support and encourage the players.
And finally, John in Ghana says, well, I hope 2021 football fans will be allowed to go to the stadium to watch football games again. And as a Manchester United fan, I would love my team to win more trophies under Ole. So there you have it, uh, Steve. Understandably, loyalties to national and uh, club teams uh, from our correspondents this week. Uh, But the one hope they all have in common is that fans be allowed back to watch games in the stadiums. It seems that much as we love the beautiful game, uh, the enjoyment is not complete unless we can experience the atmosphere of the crowd, either in person, at the game, or watching a game with a full crowd on TV. Thanks, Ephraim. That's Ephraim Tagu there. And just certainly I just hope uh, to get to the stadium to watch a game at some point in 2021. Uh, that's a big hope for me. Well, thanks to everyone who got in touch. And let's go to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK now. And at Liverpool still on top, but only just. And what a disappointing defeat to Southampton on Monday, Stuart. Well, yes, indeed. As the Premier League takes a weekend off to concentrate on FA Cup ties... The league table could hardly be more intriguing, with seven clubs separated by four points. Liverpool are still top, despite losing to Southampton, but only on goal difference from Manchester United, and United have a game in hand. In fact, Liverpool's next league game is home to Manchester United on Sunday the 17th of January, and should United win that game in hand against Burnley, it will be Manchester United who will go to Liverpool top of the table. It's not just that Liverpool lost to Southampton, but the defeat followed two draws, meaning that the Reds have taken only two points out of the last nine. And moreover, of nine away games this season, they've only won two. They just look a shadow of the all-conquering team of last season. Now, if we compare now with the same point last season, Liverpool were then 22 points ahead of second-place team. And you have to say too that Manchester United are getting better. Arguably they have the deepest squad in the Premiership. With for example Fred, McTominay, Pogba, Matic, Mata, Van der Beek, Daniel James and Fernandes in competition for three midfield positions. I can't think what other club has got that depth. And it's also been good to see the Ivorian Eric Bailly playing regularly for Manchester United. Chelsea have dropped to ninth after successive defeats by Arsenal and Manchester City. And that has, I'm afraid, proved a reality check for the Senegalese goalkeeper, Edouard Mondi, who started with a run of six clean sheets in his Chelsea career, but has now conceded ten goals in his last six. And you'd have to say that Frank Lampard's team really do not look the potential Premier League champions that they perhaps did a month or two back. And it all makes that Liverpool-Manchester United game, a week on Sunday, all the more intriguing. Oh, wow, really looking forward to that one. And the EFL Cup has been shaping up really nicely, Stuart. Yes, the final of the League Cup, or the Carabao Cup, as we like to call it, will be on the 25th of April between Manchester City and Tottenham. Spurs beat Brentford, Manchester City beat Manchester United, both games 2-0. This will be City's fourth final in succession, and intriguingly, the two most successful managers in the history of the competition are Pep Guardiola, who has won the Cup the last three years with Manchester City, while the Tottenham manager, Jose Mourinho, has won it three times with Chelsea and with Manchester United. 
A harsher statistic is that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has taken Manchester United to four semi-finals, two League Cup, an FA Cup and a Europa League semi-final, losing all four. And Manchester City's goals just seem to come from anywhere. Their second goal against Manchester United in the semi-final was scored by Fernandinho, who is the 16th player to score for City in all competitions this year. Now, I said that the final is in April. That's a bit later than usual, in the hope that spectators may be allowed to attend. However, with COVID getting worse than ever in England, it seems sadly unlikely that any spectators will be able to attend the final. Yes, it's a tough situation at the moment. And Stuart, you've been reading the autobiography of Arsene Wenger, the former Arsenal manager. Last week he gave us his views on the current manager, Mikel Arteta. And Wenger also gave his reflections on his time at the Gunners. Yes, Arsene Wenger was manager of Arsenal 1996 to 2018 in charge of 1,235 competitive games. And in his book, My Life in Red and White, he comes across as obsessive, referring to managing Arsenal as his whole life, his passion, his constant preoccupation. He describes himself living a monastic life devoted to football. A life chosen with passion, perhaps sometimes with a bit of madness and with lots of sacrifices. Arsenal, he says, were a matter of life and death to me. He admits that he lived in London, one of the world's great cities, but never saw anything but his house, the Arsenal training ground and the stadium. And one example of his obsessive nature was that he insisted on meeting the head groundsman every day to check the state of the pitch. Wenger believes that a manager should have three missions. To have an impact on the result and the team's playing style, to foster players' individual development and to strengthen the structure and the global influence of the club. Interestingly, he refers to the barrage of criticism that Arsenal endured on appointing him as the first foreign manager in the Premier League and also the personal hostility that he received. But I think he enjoys pointing out that by the time he left, the majority of managers, to say nothing of owners, of Premier League clubs were from outside the UK. It's one of the many ways in which Arsene Wenger was ahead of his time. When he came to England, he was the first manager to try to measure players' physical performance, pioneering evaluation techniques with Prozone and other companies, things, of course, that clubs now do routinely. And for the Arsenal players when he first arrived, changes that he brought included a different approach to coaching, with more regular sessions, eating meals together, lessons on nutrition, muscle strengthening exercises. But sadly, he does dispel one myth. He writes, Supposedly I made the players eat broccoli morning, noon and night. But it's not true, and in fact, I don't really like broccoli. But what he did do was to introduce the notion of invisible training. That is a holistic approach to fitness. Lifestyle, nutrition, sleep, stretching, massage, he felt all contributed to the Saturday afternoon performance. One of Wenger's greatest achievements 
was his Invincibles team that won the league in 2003-2004 without losing a game, stretching that unbeaten sequence to 49 games. Wenger quaintly wondered if there was some significance in the run ending at 49 games, given that he himself was born in 1949. But the run was no fluke, but it was a target that Wenger had set his team what he calls a kind of obsession I carried around with me because, and this says so much about him, you can be top of the class with 90%, but you cannot be second if you get 100%. Some of his insights into coaching and player assessment and development are fascinating. For example, he says, if football is about ball reception, decision-making, and the quality of the performance... We realised that a factor that makes a difference between players is their ability to take in information. In the Premier League, for example, a good player takes in four to six pieces of information in the seconds before receiving the ball, but a very good player may take in eight to ten pieces of information. A fascinating man who made a wonderful contribution to English football. Well, fascinating insights indeed. Uh, Arsene Wenger doing so much with that scientific approach to football. Thanks a lot, Stuart. Uh, That's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers and Ephraim Tagu in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi and Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.